Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of That Was Unnecessary, a podcast where we talk about bad movies, bad movie sequels, bad movie adaptations, bad movie reboots. Any of those could be talked about. I'm Shane. I'm joined as always by a guy who hates his nickname, the mispronouncer, the porno freak, Damien. <laughs> you can call me the porno freak. All right. That's it. That's officially your stance. It's spoiler. Yeah. There's no maximum overdrive porn. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's starting to become my favorite segment. And of course, our 80s aficionado, our uh, guy whose name is Retro Rich. Say hello, Rich. Hi, how's it going? It's a pleasure to be here today. Rich's Retro Knowledge. And the movie we're talking about on this episode is... 1986's... What's it called again? Oh yeah, Maximum Override. Overdrive. <laughs> yeah, maximum Overdrive. <laughs> Override. <laughs> <laughs> The dickens are going on around here. Who's driving it? I don't know. Curtis, it's coming after us. It's coming after us. I don't know. You want a war? You got one. I just want to get the hell out of here. You're going to get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum terror. Jesus coming and he is. Maximum king. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's. Maximum Overdrive. You know what? You should. This is actually one trailer. You should play the whole thing. So now, which one did you watch? The one where it's like Stephen King talking, like he, yeah, like a coked up. Yeah, Stephen and he's King like, going. he's like, he's like, it's my first picture I directed, and you know what? I kind of liked it. A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories. It was my first picture as a director, and you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. He's all coked up, ready yeah. to show hacks like yeah. Stanley Kubrick, how to really direct a movie. <laughs> well, was this, uh, was Stand by Stand Me, Stand by me the same year? This is 86, so. Yeah, it was I mean, probably like Rob Reiner was like, okay. okay. Yeah, I'll show you, Stevie. Live up to maximum um, overdrive. <laughs> so yes, this was a movie came out in 1986. It was rated R. Um, he had to fight uh, to actually get it cut down so it wouldn't be an X. It's a little tidbit just to throw wow, something I in there like to see uh, that an 80s director's little cut. tidbit in there in 1986 um stephen king's son owen was a huge fan of gi joe so hasbro actually allowed stephen king to come up with a character his name was um crystal ball he was one of the worst gi joes ever made <laughs> but <laughs> they actually named um sneak peek which came out in 1987 Owen King was his name after uh, Stephen King's son. Rich's Retro Knowledge. So there was Crystal Ball and Sneak (laughs) Peek? Yeah. Sneak Peek was dedicated to his son, and Crystal Ball was... Just like... Stephen King, like, wrote the... um, 
little file card on the back of it. Yeah. Well, this was, of course, written and directed by Stephen King. Um, one hour and 38 minutes running time. But yeah, he it was originally, I think, like over two hours. And they had to like cut out like little pieces of like death scenes and stuff and like language. I guess there was like a much longer beginning scene, you know, where he has his cameo and he's the ATM is calling him an asshole. <laughs> Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. That was a good way to start. Like, he's walking up to the bank, too. Did you mm-hmm. see, like, the neon sign on the yeah, bank? Yeah, it just yeah, says, yeah, like, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. you. <laughs> and this is based on his short story titled Trucks from the Night Shift short story collection. His first one. So this was based off of, like, one of his very early short stories. Did you read that, by the way? I did end up reading it. Um, it was a quick read because it's, it's like not very pages. long. Yeah. But yeah, it's basically the... It's like 25 pages, I think. Oh, like. okay. So yeah, based off his own short story, this is the only movie uh, he's ever directed of his stuff or really been involved with to that degree, aside from like screenplays. I think he's done for a few of his movies. Produced... Little fun fact in the TWU universe uh, by De- Dino De Laurentiis, like several of our other um, yep. bad 80s movies Dune. that he was sort of the king of that Dune. Um, I think uh, I was going to say Masters of the Universe, but that was actually that other, the canon. Yeah. Man, what did De Laurentiis um, do that was really successful? Because it seems like he, mm-hmm. he was a big name, but he did a lot of stinkers. He really was kind of like he would just make a lot of money off of making low budget like B. Was he Scarface? I don't know. Okay. But he yeah, he did like the he produced the at least Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness, which I have a little tie in fact later on for you to do with that. Uh, the estimated budget was ten million dollars. Do you guys want to guess what the worldwide gross was? Um. I didn't even know about this movie. So, uh, twelve million. Guessing maybe one forty. One, one hundred and forty million or a thousand <laughs> million. Hundred. <laughs> ten. It, it was a budget of ten million dollars, and you think in nineteen eighty six this piece of shit made a hundred and forty million? No, it made under budget seven point no. four million. Really? Yeah. Nice. Terrible. So it was a bomb, and Rotten Tomatoes' score was 15%. It would have been funny if it was 19, right, Damien? Um, <laughs> Stephen King reference. So the, a little Stephen King reference. Yes, yeah, so this Stephen King, this Stephen King, this podcast episode, uh, much like our possibly never to be heard Dark Tower episode, is going to be very Stephen King knowledge heavy. I'm going to be disappointed so if, you, if you never edit that, by the way, Shane. But... Also, a little fun fact it was nominated. For Razzie, uh, worst director and worst actor for Emilio, um, yeah, Razzies, but did not win them. I guess the movie that did win both of those was some Prince movie called uh, Purple Rain. Is it? No, like Under the Pale Moon. Or there something. was another What's Prince it? movie. Wow. Yeah, Rich. Do you know what? Come on, Rich. What's, what's oh, your favorite sorry, Prince I wasn't movie? A big Prince fan back then. Oh. Yep, uh, it's taglines, which is are always great for like super bad movies like this. Um, who made who? Which, of course, <laughs> <laughs> might as well mention on that note, ACDC did uh, the entire soundtrack. Yeah, they were, I think they were the only music 
in this. It was kind of funny. Like yeah. whenever there was like a chase scene or like a truck blew up, it just started hitting who made who. Who made who? Who made you? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> and cool that movie did the whole soundtrack. Well, I never realized that uh, that song "Who Made Who" was written specifically for this movie, and it just totally takes any credibility away from it. Like, I thought it was an okay song, yeah, but knowing that it's fucking yeah, all about how the trucks <laughs> gain scenting. I mean, was it a callback to that that line that chick who kept yelling like "We made you, we made you, yeah, we made you"? Want to know. Get back. Yeah, and then that line is also one of the characters in the original short yeah. story. Yeah, the same. It's it a, as well. I think it's like, a different character, but yeah, line. it's like based. Yeah, it's none of the same characters in the story. It's, it's like a. This was basically like they had way too many fucking cast members in this movie that that were completely unnecessary, because the short story has like it? five people. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the short story has like five main characters and by the end of it like all but i think two of them are dead um this one it was like there was plenty of deaths but then there was also way too many people who survived like lisa simpson yeah but who made who guys <laughs> i mean hit it and there's another i think the only song in that it's like a just a piece of score where it's like a guitar playing like Oh, Hell's Bells. They play Hell's Bells. No, that they play other ACDC songs. Hell's Bells, I believe, is when, when they're refueling yes. all the trucks, but not to skip ahead. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? That was just ridiculous. Hell's Bells. Oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> and it was I mean, don't you this... think Highway to Hell would have been an obvious choice? I don't think they yeah. use that. Yeah. No. I don't think they did. I think they used You Shook Me All Night Long, though. Yeah, at the end. Thing, which is like, so yeah, ACDC did the Who Made Who. Um... <laughs> I don't know if I'd consider this horror, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that arcade scene was scary as fuck. Well, I know on Wikipedia, <laughs> on Wikipedia, it's it's uh, like categorized as a comedy horror movie, and then I think on IMDb as well, which I don't think was the intention. Obviously, it's supposed to be terrifying, <laughs> and like I think he says in the trailer, like you're gonna, I'm gonna scare the shit out of you or something. <laughs> I'm going to scare the hell out of you. Our cast. Bang through this real quick. I did not put like half the characters on here. But the ones who had the most screen time were Emilio Estevez, of course, the star, playing Bill Robinson. This is a Better funny follow-up to a Breakfast Club, by the way. It's, yeah, I know. It's very strange choice, but yeah. He's, Stephen King's like, I'm going to make you a star. You're no longer going to be Charlie Sheen's brother anymore. <laughs> Pat Hingle as Hendershot. Who was like the mayor type dude, even though I don't think he was the he mayor. He was the owner he, of the diner. Did he own? Okay, yeah, the yeah. Dixie. And for some... Oh, he was also Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Rich's Retro Knowledge. And for some reason, he had a basement full of machine guns and bazookas. Yeah. They never explained. Because yes. he was in Vietnam. Yes, so we have Emilio Estevez, a.k.a. Gordon Bombay. We have Pat Engel, a.k.a. Uh, Commissioner Gordon. Laura Harrington as Brett, the can only be really be described as the female character in the movie who gets horrible. who gets banged out uh, by Emilio <laughs> at one point. Like I don't think she was in any other movies after that. Uh, no, probably not. I think she was. Uh, what was it? Oh, she was in the Adventures of 
Buckaroo Banzai across um, the eighth dimension. You ever watch that movie? That sounds familiar. I what did, but I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, it was, it was pretty horrible. Um, and then she was in the movie Polly, which is apparently about a parrot from 1998. Oh, and she was in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Uh, of course, Lisa Simpson as Connie. Yer- oh, Yer- she was so fucking annoying. Yeardley Smith. Oh, yeah. By far the most. And she- there's a thing in uh, the trivia later on. Is he on dead? That- is he dead? Is he dead? Why you don't go out there? Bart! Bart <laughs> <laughs> went like, I gotta, I gotta go to the ladies' room. We gotta get some gas. Well, that's good, because I got to go to the ladies. Can I come in and watch? No, you cannot come in and watch. Ouch. Shoot. And her fiance's like, ooh, could I come? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Yeardley Smith played Connie. I don't know where the fuck that first name comes from, but Yeardley. like it doesn't it like uh auto corrects it and whenever I tried to type it into anything. Um John Short as the boyfriend aforementioned Kurt. And then the only other person who I recognized in this movie was Frankie Faison as Handy, the guy who drove the uh Green Goblin truck. That was the sort of oh, yeah. star of the the trucks, the Happy Toys truck. That guy survived at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. One hey, do you remember what sitcom on Fox uh, Yearly, whatever her last name is, was on? Herman's, Herman's head. head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that just subconsciously <laughs> popped into my Herman's head. Herman, this is a mistake. Big mistake. We shouldn't be doing this. I, I agree, absolutely. If you could look inside Herman's head, you'd see his lust. Yes! We are holding a woman! His sensitivity. We're merely comforting her! His intellect. Condoms! Don't forget the condoms! And his anxiety. They're all fighting for control. I think we get this girl some booze. Inside Herman's head. Get into it tonight. Let's talk about the plot of this fucking great movie. Anybody? Come on, sodas. I'm fine. I Come mean, <laughs> that was my favorite part when I was a kid, the soda part. Yeah, so the setup, the exposition for this movie, and the, as well as the conclusion are both handled with a few words of text at the beginning and end of the movie, um, where the premise is... Yeah, that was just ridiculous. Without going into it whatsoever, that apparently some comet entered the Earth's atmosphere... Yeah. And turned like it gave a like, like a, a green mist fart. <laughs> a green, it like farted. Yeah. So this comet farted on Earth, and this is illustrated by a horrible picture of Earth with a green smoke ring around it. So it is affected. Like it's, I guess, it then means that like aliens have like possessed the planet M- somehow. By yeah, they take over any machine. So all these machines gain sentience yeah. and come to life, except for the cars yeah. in this movie. Why the fuck yeah. do yeah. none of the cars? Yeah, like, that make there's any like sense. yeah, the cars don't get affected, but headphones yeah. like strangle people. <laughs> How does that even yeah. fucking happen? There's no <laughs> mechanic. Even that, that dog got that killed by like a toy car, like in its mouth. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I will say they. From the short story, well, first of all, they never explain what there was no comet or aliens. And also, it is, unless I'm wrong, it's just trucks, right? There's no electronics. It's just trucks that get taken over. It's, uh, yeah, it's just trucks. I mean, the story is called trucks, but yeah, it's basically, it's like five people who ended up at this truck stop 
and the story starts where they're already being like attacked. Yeah, they're trapped. Like attacked, they're already trapped inside the diner. Or in yeah. this one, it's in the in the story. I think it's no, it's there's a diner too. Yeah, but they yeah they never mentioned that like what it came from, why it happened, and then it also kind of just ends on like a yeah where like where they're pumping thing. gas, where they're filling them up. Yeah, it gas. ends when they're pumping. Yeah. So that part was also in the short story, which blew my mind because I was like, this is the most ridiculous part of the movie that they actually decided yeah we're gonna pump their gas but that's getting ahead of myself <laughs> in the story um wait was this, was this written before christine i think yeah the short story was probably because i thought he he came up with the idea of christine when he was a kid i'm I, not sure i guess what. he just liked killer vehicles vehicles yeah yeah it's hard because yeah. they actually do that in quantum leap they they have stephen king as a kid and he thinks up uh, oh really? Christine. I missed that episode. Yeah. Rich's retro knowledge. Where um, Stephen King is one of the characters as a kid, but he's known as Stephen, and then at the end he realizes his name is Stephen King. He's oh. like, Sam, that was Stephen King. <laughs> and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. And and he has like a uh, Sam has a dream that like the car comes alive, I guess, or whatever. And he gives that idea to Stephen King and Stephen King's like, wow, that's a cool idea. Oh, so and, so Dr. Sam Beckett is responsible for correct Christine. In the of course, you didn't know that, dude. I think I do kind of vaguely remember that episode, though. Yeah, um, it was the Halloween episode. Like, I always liked that when they would be like, oh, this character this whole time has been. Martin Luther King or something. Was, was that was that why he leaped? Because he had to make sure Stephen King wrote Christine? No, no. He had uh, saved some old guy from falling out of a window. That Stephen King pushed? pushed. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He had to save Stephen King from getting hit by that van years later. <laughs> now, is this before or after Cat's Eye was released? I think before. I think. Because I think when Cat's Eye came out, there was like Stephen King was like in the limelight again after like Pet Cemetery. I mean, Stephen King so was Pet pretty Cemetery. big all through the eighties. Wait, so yeah, I, well, there was kind of like a, a couple years where it was like, oh my god, Stephen King's coming out with a movie now. Now when I'm curious Maximum what Moment movies. I wonder if I could find a list. I want to know what movies came out like between The Shining and this one that he was so fucking disappointed with the. Adaptation because if Pet Cemetery <clears throat> Pet was decent, it wasn't like a great movie, but Cujo it wasn't Cujo. Um, the uh, Carrie, 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 but, but I think Carrie was yeah. 79. Yeah, Carrie was in the 70s, and I think he's said like numerous times that he well, liked Shining's that. what like 78? 80. Oh, 1980. Okay. Yeah, so basically, I feel like he has a beef. And I think Cujo right after that. Yeah, I think Cujo because the Cujo, the book, came out in, like, 75. I mean, dude, the only movie I heard King say he really didn't like was The Shining. I mean, dude, he, like, he praised the Dark Tower movie, and that was ass. And nothing like his book. Yeah. So, like, he likes everything, or at least he says he does, except for The Shining. He's very excited, but then apparently in the 80s when he was doing a lot of coke and drinking all day, according (laughs) to one of the, uh, I think it was one of the gaffers, 
said in some interview years later that like I never saw him doing coke, but he would like have a drink from like six a.m. when they started the workday to like eight at night. Now in the opening scene when they're the bridge, yeah, uh, segment. Yeah. They have all the cars like crashing and stuff yeah. like that. Watermelons are falling everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the 80s, there was a show called Chips. Well, 79 to early 80s. And that was a huge thing. Every episode, there was this huge <laughs> car pilot on the highway. And there was always like watermelons or like a big snake tank. And people would get... So I wonder if he was snake making fun tank. of that. I mean, I don't I, know. I believe he was <laughs> He was kind of making fun of this. Like, he just wanted to make a B movie. Like, I don't yeah. really believe... He thought it was going to be a horror movie, despite what he says in that trailer. Unless he just totally was just coked out out of his gourd and didn't know what the hell he was doing. No, yeah. I mean, that's one of uh, one of his quotes that has been well documented in several things I saw was Stephen King being a former cocaine addict, later admitted that he was coked out of his mind and didn't know what was going on the entire time. He remarked that he'd like to try to directing again someday, this time sober, but he's also said posing things to that, like he never wants to direct again. When people ask him why he hasn't directed a movie since, he he often responds, just watch Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. Like, that's why. But we kind of got off course of the the, the, yeah, the story. Um, the the masterful storyline is so an alien comet has infected all of the machines on the planet, and they're taking over and just killing humans, including the uh, like turkey carver thing that the waitress yeah. had. <laughs> like every single electronic you can imagine, except for cars, are just killing people at a massive rate, and uh, the. I mean, pretty much the whole movie takes place, aside from the baseball scene, um, at this truck stop, like gas station place with a diner and all that uh, in North Carolina. And Emilio Estevez works there. Some of the other characters own it. And then the rest of the characters, like Lisa Simpson and uh, her boyfriend. Yeah, they're, like, they're just married. Came in. Yeah, they were like traveling down the road near this place. And started getting attacked by the truck, so they had to like the pull into the, the Bible salesman, yeah, who was a horrible character. And they, yeah, he was in the short story too. He, yeah, he, he was, was a version of yeah. him, and he, yeah, he, he gets hit and knocked in that ditch like he does in the movie, and starts like yelling out. But there's no kid who like yeah, the kid, the baseball. Yeah, kid. he survived the baseball attack, which we should talk <laughs> about real quick. I was shocked at how brutal that was. <laughs> Right, so there's the intro of the movie where we see that they're taking over because Stephen King is at an ATM and it calls him an asshole and says, fuck you. And then we they cut to like, I forget if this is before or after we see the truck stop yet, but there's uh, these kids playing baseball. No, they go to the, after the ATM is the, uh, the bridge. Um, we go to the baseball game. And the coach, the, I guess they just finished the game, and the coach is like, hey guys, what does he say? Sodas. Come on, sodas. I'm buying. Which is completely an ADR line. Like, he doesn't actually mouth those words. It's just like off screen, someone going, come on, sodas, I'm buying. <laughs> um, and then this coach uh, walks up to the soda machine and proceeds to get pelted with cans to the point that it gives him head trauma and he dies. Yeah. Oh! 
And also knocking over several of the kids. Like one kid took like a shot to the back from yeah. a can and like fell over. Um, the oh, the main and right after that, there's a little kid trying to run away. He gets run over. Oh god! <laughs> Out of nowhere, a steamroller, steamroller runs the kid over. Yeah. What? What? Perfectly timed. Like they had set it all up ahead of time. Like the steamroller crashes through the baseball field fence yeah. and just that whole runs sequence over yeah, the... was was the best sequence in in the movie and also i found out that uh they 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 had to cut it out but you can see a tiny bit of it at the end originally that little kid's head like explodes from the steamroller but i think that's one of the reasons you know they didn't want the x rating so they kind of just show him getting like yeah, yeah, sunk yeah, yeah. into the ground Right. Well, there was a thing that's in my uh, trivia. Yeah, he wanted to like put like a bag of like fake blood so that when it ran over the kid, it would look like it smeared across the like rolling pin thing. But it ended up just exploding, so it made it look like his head fucking exploded. And Stephen King liked that better and was like, "Ooh, like all giddy about <laughs> yeah." Machines are just killing people, and then we basically come to uh, the rest of the movie that takes place around this truck stop truck stop um where all of our characters are gathering and freaking out and some of them just running outside and being like there's no way these drugs gonna kill me and just mm-hmm. get fucking nailed that's pretty much the rest of the movie like it's just that's pretty much the rest up. of the movie they're finding a way to fight these yeah trucks or keep from getting killed by them hey this truck's gonna run me over i'm just gonna stand here and go ah yeah every guy that i feel like hit, it'd be easy to thing. dodge a big mac truck hauling yeah. a trail exactly yeah. yeah i don't get that Oh, but then what if you didn't like successfully do it? <laughs> Just clips your waist up. And then after a certain point, a bunch of people die. Emilio fucks the chick, which is like great timing, guys. Oh, hey, uh, by the way, about that about that sex scene, um, I was kind of surprised that a Stephen King directed sex scene, actually, especially a coked out eighty Stephen King, who I mean Stephen yeah. King. He, some of his stuff, especially from the eighties, is kind of vulgar. Um, like, but, like it had just come out a couple of years previous to that, and that's like what? one of the most it has the the yeah. kid. No, no, it came out after <laughs> the, the kid orgy in the book. No, the, the book, the it book. Oh, yeah. the book yeah, yeah. came out, and yeah, and there's like a kid orgy. Yeah. There's like way more like in depth about like the abuse these yeah. kids like. Uh, there's another like the bully kids like jerk each other off. In, yeah, in the junkyard. even too like when he when he has sex scenes, like he does have sex scenes. He's always talking about girls' nipples and boobs and like uh, yeah. guys' <laughs> semen, you know, going all over the place. That's why I was like, well, I'm surprised this, especially drugged out version of Stephen King. This was like a super tame. Well, it wasn't even really a sex scene. It was like them. It was just their yeah, feet the touching, day. and then like yeah, they're they're cut. The most vulgar thing was like that wall that had all that. 80s hair yeah. pie all over it. Did you notice that? Yeah. All that porn yeah. Yeah. on the wall? Yeah. While he was on the phone? Yeah. Did you notice there was like kind of a weird thing with that sex scene though when like Amelia Estevez is cuddling with that girl and she says some crazy dumb line like, you might not be a hero, but you make love like a hero or something. Yeah, yeah. And he starts like like licking the sweat off her forehead. Did you notice that? Like he would take his finger and wipe the sweat off her forehead and then like lick it. And then like he kept doing it. I just thought that was a weird thing to do. That's got to be like the king. He was like, just lick her. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, I'm going to go uh, to the bathroom again real quick. Can... <laughs> yeah, think of something to do, Amelia. Why don't you try yeah, to yeah. look at her sweat? Yeah, yeah, I'd like that. <laughs> so all this stuff happens. They kind of bond, but not really. Yeardley Smith just keeps yelling in her so- southern Lisa Simpson voice. And then at one point, the which is also from the short story, the one of the trucks starts beeping Morse code, um, and the kid who played baseball just happens to know Morse code. He was thankfully. a Boy Scout. Um, he yeah. was a Boy Scout, just like the kid in the story. And they're saying, uh, we're running out of gas. Give us gas, and we won't kill you guys. But if you don't, we're going to kill all of you. So implying that I guess they're just going to ram. Yeah. In the short story, they start having like a bulldozer ram the whole fucking diner yeah to like collapse it get at them they don't oh you hey is the arcade part in the in the story no there there's a guy stealing cigarettes but i don't think there's an arcade no but that's worth mentioning a little cameo or you know it wasn't wouldn't have been a cameo back then but uh that's gian this guy gets electrocuted by an arcade machine basically and it was uh giancarlo esposito the guy from Breaking Bad and was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was the dude. Wait, what yeah. character was he in Breaking Bad? Gus. He's, uh, was it the bad guy? Yeah, the guy Gus. from Mandalorian. The guy, the yeah. chicken guy. No shit. Yeah, yeah. I got to go back and look yeah. at that. Yeah, that's he's he's sporting his like Spike Lee films look in that. Like he was in a lot of the early Spike Lee movies too, and he had that hmm. mustache and everything. Huh. Cool. Yeah, that was uh, that was Gus Fring, aka the dark saber guy from mandalorian yeah yeah um little pussy oh but um (laughs) real quick do you get well in in the short story it's kind of the same beat like there's a bulldozer and yeah they do the morse code you got to give us gas or else you know we're gonna kill you all that happens in the movie but in the movie with the bulldozer what was that vehicle with the machine gun on it oh right shoots up the place like what the hell was that I think that was their sort of like replacement for maybe they didn't have the budget to like smash this whole setup with a bulldozer. So they had to improvise and and said they got this random like it wasn't even like a real vehicle. It was just like wheels with a platform and like an M16. Yeah, on a a stick. (laughs) That automatically fired like nobody had to pull the trigger or anything, which I feel like was a bit of a Jeep, There's no like mechanical thing making that gun move around so how does it move around that's what i mean it, like yeah. and how does it pull the trigger i guess it just it has they have that much control over even the yeah. simplest of well i mean it, i mean if they can make a if they can make a hairdryer strangle some girl out of a window then i guess yeah yeah so that happens and then unlike the short story where it takes like the bulldozer coming in and smashing the place up and killing a couple people two out of the five people that uh they decide, okay, we're going to pump the gas. And then in this movie, there's really not a whole lot of thought. Emilio's just like, all right, you guys want some gas? Here we go. And then He's like, like, I got the best stuff this side of Texas. Yeah, <laughs> that line. All right, I got to put that clip in. All right, you bastard. Tell all your friends the main line's open. I got the best shit on the East Coast, practically uncut. Because that was like, what are you doing? You're like drug talking, like romancing this truck. <laughs> to tell all your, but like he literally tells the, the truck to like have all the other trucks come there. Like not thinking, are you you're going to run out of fucking gas? 
which they do. And then a gas truck coincidentally shows up, refills them. So like a bunch of the people in the diner are just in shifts all day, all night, filling up trucks that are going to just ultimately kill them anyway. Uh, I don't really get how they defeated them. Like they just blew up a bunch of gas, basically. What happens at the end? I don't remember. Well, they escape, go through the sewers. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. all this isn't in the short story, by the way. The short story ends with them thinking they're going to be slaves for the rest of their lives, pumping gas. Yeah, it's more of like a commentary just on like, it's like a Twilight Zone episode almost. I guess, yeah, the the machines took over. The machines that we made, you know, it's the fucking Cylons. It's, It's that whole thing. Terminator, the Matrix. Yeah, so they 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 take a bunch of the guns and stuff i think they take the rocket launcher that was the this arsenal that just happens to be in this basement and they take a grenade and put it in yeah the, the grenade uh, machine gun yeah, blow up the machine gun yeah then they sneak through the sewers and then their whole emilio's idea was to get on a sailboat and go to this island and wait it out until 7 days when the the comet is out of Earth's orbit. So yeah, they blow up the gas station, I guess, and that just destroys the trucks around them, and they go to escape, and then the whole... Wait, doesn't the bulldozer try to destroy the gas station Well, they before they take out? Well, yeah, they... so that's how oh, wait. they get it to explode, right? No, I think, I think that's what causes them to say, fuck it, let's get out of here. Yeah, maybe that's it. And of mm. course, Yardley Smith doesn't want to go down into the sewers. Yeah, complaining all the way down to the last minute. <laughs> um, Why doesn't the dude just be like, you know, fuck this, get away from me? Right, but he's totally on board. Like he's, I guess, used to her. Just completely. Well, I mean, yeah, they dead. just got married that day. Tell us what is going on? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> unlike the yeah. So the short story just ends, and it's like a bleak, you know, not real conclusion this movie however uh wraps everything up the deus ex machina with a few lines of text as i mentioned like they did at yeah the beginning. did you notice the text one of the things is by the way the russian yes the satellite was russian. armed oh yeah. Like, yes like what, what the, the, the russian who wrote this the russian trainer? weather satellite had like lasers and nuclear missile yeah. capabilities and blew up the alien spaceship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah blew up a UFO. It's a yeah. yeah. By the way, a set, like several days later, yeah, a Russian satellite blew up the UFO, and then it says it says something else like, uh, well, the last line is like, and the survivors from the yeah, what was that? Was it called like the Dixie something? Yeah, the Dixie Boy. Yeah, the Dixie Boy. Survivors from the Dixie Boy are still surviving. Yeah. So yeah, they everything's ended with texts explaining well, yeah they're all okay they might as well have, have had like an update thing like so emilio went to college and yeah, he got <laughs> <on> probation <laughs> yeah. yeah the uh owner of the dixie fucking got married to yearly oh, no the owner of the dixie <laughs> died. he died he got died. shot up oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's right Hey, Bubba, what do you think you're doing? Yeah, him and the waitress. The, who, the waitress just loses her mind right. at one point and yeah. runs outside. And she's the one yeah, who has the line yeah. of, uh, we, we made, made you. you. We made... Hit the song. <laughs> 
so yeah, that's the plot. Um, still, like they had a lot of the same beats as the short story, it but it just obviously was way like. All the characters were different. Now, now the the characters being um um ex cons was that in the story? No, no, I forgot about that too. Yeah, so Emilio works there as part of his like what Pro- parole yeah. probation, yeah. but the owner wants him to only punch in for thirty hours, right? Right, but work forty. Yeah, no, no, so he wants him to work. That's not in there. He wants him to work nine hours a day, <clears throat> but only clock in for eight. Yeah. Correct. The 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 boy kid, the boy character in the movie, <coughs> the, boy <laughs> the boy kid, kid. <laughs> boy the kid, um, he's he's not in the short story, but they they combine his character with that newlywed couple, um, with the male fiance, right? He's like yeah. an ex boy scout, and I think he's nineteen in the short story. Um, he knows like the yeah. Morse code and stuff. And then there's one character who's just a trucker. And that's it. And then the diner, like owner or proprietor, like this guy who works at the diner, the couple, and then the narrator, who is, I'm assuming, who like Emilio's character was yeah. sort of supposed to be based yeah. off of. But yeah, none of them had the same yeah. names or anything. Like in the like in the short story, there's that part where like the the Bible salesman, you know, in the movie, he's like they hear him screaming at night, and yeah. they're like, "We oh, we got to save him!" Like in the short story, the guy. The main character, I, I guess Emilio's type character, he's like, no, fuck that guy. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, like don't, yeah. like, just, just ignore him because, like, the girl is freaking, the Yearly Smith type character is, like, freaking out saying we should help him. And he's like, if we wake everybody else up and they go out to help him, we're all going to die. And he's just like, yeah, ignore the dude. Yeah. And then the guy just eventually stopped, which is kind of like, I mean, they went to save him in the movie. Mm-hmm. But then ended up finding the kid, and we're just like fuck him in the movie, <laughs> like <laughs> let him rot. I don't think they say he's a Bible. No, they just say he's he's a salesman. Yeah. yeah, that's the end of the movie, huh? Yeah, that's that is the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all it took. I, you know, I can't see being a Bible salesman making you a lot of money. I don't either. Well, maybe in '86, North Carolina. No, I don't know. I don't know. Well, the Bible Belt, yeah. Well, it's but it's like there's that one scene in the movie where he's sitting down with that couple in the diner and he's trying mm-hmm. really hard. He's doing a sales pitch to like sell them a Bible. Like, what was he gonna mm-hmm. make with a mouthful of mayonnaise? Yeah. It's like, what, what was he gonna make? Like two dollars? It's like, man, you're trying really hard <laughs> for this two dollar sale. <laughs> I had to pay for my Turkish sandwich, yeah. Yeah. all this mayonnaise. So we might as well get right to the uh, the big behind the scenes tragedy. Tragedy. So it's worth noting because of De Laurentiis, uh, Dino De Laurentiis being the producer of this, he had a lot of involvement in it. Up to the point that the director of photography was actually uh, an Italian guy, and the whole shoot couldn't understand like what Stephen King was trying to tell him because the interpreter sucked or something. So there was already a lot of like kind of strife between them, and then an accident occurred on July thirty first. During shooting in a suburb of Wilmington where a radio-controlled lawnmower used in a scene uh, went out of control, struck a block of wood, used as a camera support, shooting out wood splinters, which entered the director of photography's eye, his eye that he uses for shooting, his right eye. So he lost his right eye because of a... Uh, machine. A machine. Yeah. <laughs> and then he... <laughs> He sued Stephen King and many other people in the production 
for eighteen million dollars, and the suit was settled. Oh man, so this so. this movie lost even more money than. <laughs> oh rough. wow! Yeah. Well, wait, he was suing for more than the budget of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's, that's crazy a good point. <laughs> my eye well you know what i don't know if that's in your trivia shane but i was reading the the dp ironically like he was telling stephen king he should take the blade out because it's not safe yes yeah and then stephen that king was, was like or something like no it won't it'll look fake or something you know and he's like and he was like the blades aren't even in the shot so what's the yeah, point exactly and then i guess other people on the crew were also advising that I have it yeah. all right here. While shooting a scene, the lawnmower comes, blah, 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 blah. Got a splinter of wood and a shooting eye. According to camera assistant Sylvia Gioletti, uh, we were shooting a scene where a lawnmower, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So basically, Stephen King said, no, leave the blades in, despite everybody else saying don't. They were also, Hurricane Gloria also came through during shooting and damaged a bunch of the set. I wonder if that guy's still... Partially, bl- well, that, that was... The, the end of that sort of trivia bit was that he never was able to work oh, on like a big budget movie again because sucks. he didn't think anyone could trust like a DP who had no depth perception anymore. Basically. That sucks. So yeah, all because of coked out Stephen King, this poor Italian guy <laughs> never really worked a whole lot again. Um, it has been long rumored that George Romero, who was, I guess like pretty much like a, big time consultant on this whole movie process for Stephen King. Like he was asking him, you know, everything about how to direct. Basically uh, it's rumored that he actually ghost directed a large portion of the film while King was seeking, seeking treatment for his cocaine addiction. Many fans of Romero's work have noted that the film features many of his distinct camera angles and editing choices. While King has never admitted this up front, he has mentioned that Romero was constantly on set and King would frequently ask him for advice. So this may be a slash George A. Romero movie. Romero probably wouldn't want to wouldn't wanted to have take credit for it, I'm guessing. No, well I guess so so there are many deleted scenes from the film that are mentioned throughout literature and seen in photo stills for the film. Stephen King has mentioned on several occasions that he the film was heavily cut to avoid an X rating. King has also spoken of showing the uncut version to fellow horror director George Romero and was quoted as saying that it made Mr. Romero sick. <laughs> the removed shots were, and then they give like a list. It's like, it's basically like three seconds of so-and-so getting shot. Three seconds of, I don't see any really like significance one, but it's basically all just like they cut out a bunch of the gore. Uh, they, we originally saw the dead ice cream man and that ice cream truck at the end. Oh, one of the things that got cut out was as Brad, who I think is the little kid, runs to a nearby car with the dead woman. We can see a full back view of a school bus on the left side of the dirt road. And when Brad screams as he's about to die from the Happy Toys truck, we can still see the bus with dead kids inside. Yeah, by the way. Oh, wait, is Brad the guy with the diamond ring? No, Brad's the little kid. Who, who survived the... No, but you just said that he was going to get killed by the happy toy truck. Oh, maybe then... Yeah, maybe Brad is the guy who steals the ring. It must be. Yeah, that would make more sense, I guess. Because, he, yeah, he gets killed. Yeah, so this random character who they barely ever show... 
He's in. He, he oh, has yeah. like one main line in the part where they're like in the uh, in the diner talking and stuff. I don't remember what he says, but they ask him a question and he's like, "Well, this, that, that, and this." And I think he like knew where the boats <clears throat> were or some <clears throat> shit like that. His uh, his death, by the way, is such a total Stephen King trope too. About like the guy being greedy and going to like steal yeah. something that, and it always gets him killed. Yeah. Like a leprechaun skit. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you watch those leprechaun movies? Yeah, it's been a while. But... Yeah, they're great. Is that me gold? What the hell are you? I'm a leprechaun, me dear. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston's first big movie role was the first leprechaun. Um, first big movie role. <laughs> another smaller, you know, on set accident slash behind the scenes tragedy as well filming the scene with the ice cream truck flips over the stunt didn't go according to plan it was supposed to like keep like toppling over and on end but instead it just flipped over once onto its roof and then slid into a camera and destroyed one of the cameras <laughs> and gene pool the dolly grip on the film pulled the cameraman out of the way at the last second saving his life man wow the 80s must have been great for uh <laughs> stunt people well i mean a coked out stephen king production yeah. i mean the, yeah. imagine yeah. the dp loses his eye and then like the the camera operator gets crushed by an ice cream truck jesus yeah and the whole time steven's just pounding <laughs> yeah. beers, sneaking away for <laughs> the cameraman it's just like cut cut yeah. take two <laughs> fuck you kubrick this is a random bit of trivia. Stephen King originally wanted Bruce Springsteen to play the lead. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like, Here these trucks are going after us. Someone get me the boss. Get me the boss on the phone. Perfect. <laughs> I need the... George, do you know the boss? Are you friends? With... Yeah. All right, give me Tony Danza. <laughs> oh, so this is the whole like explanation of how ACDC got involved. Stephen King is a huge fan of ACDC. I guess at the time, he considered them his favorite band. And when he got to meet them, he asked if they would provide the music for the film. He also offered the band a role in the film, but they declined, stating they are not... We are not actors. Well, you're in luck. Uh, <laughs> because no one in this fucking movie is. Yeah, they're certainly not acting or taking direction. Um, he claims that there is a scene... With the band on, oh, there's apparently a rumor that there's a scene where they're on a boat. They they have a cameo, but I guess that's not true. Um, but they did agree to do the soundtrack after King sang Ain't No Fun, Waiting Round to Be a Millionaire from their 1976 album, Dirty Deeds Done to a Cheap. He, sang, he kept them on the phone and sang the entire song from start to finish. <laughs> and the band... La and the band was just like thought it was so hilarious. They were like, "All right, sure, we'll do." Uh... <laughs> All right, mate, let's hear the music for your movie. Let's get, uh, let's get this fucking guy some songs for his fucking movie. So yeah, they perform all but two songs featured in the movie, including two unreleased mixes of previously released songs. The entire eighty-seven, yeah. So like, I I was unaware of. Um, the whole Who Made Who album is basically just the soundtrack for this movie, but they never really mentioned it on a lot of like the releases, like the copies. Like they eventually had to put like a sticker on the album cover saying, "Oh, by the way, this is the Maximum Overdrive soundtrack. This isn't just like a new song and then like a bunch of greatest hits." Um, 
and yeah, they wrote who made who for this. It's oh yeah, so here's the Evil Dead connection. It's because of this movie that Evil Dead became a franchise. Groovy. Stephen King loved the original from 1981, and I believe I've even seen yeah, like that's like the big promo for that movie on the poster is that Stephen King quote that it's such a good. I don't know what it is. I loved it, and his eye, it terrified me. There was no kid sex, but uh, um, Yeardley Smith is greatly embarrassed by this film. Was one of the which one? Who's that again? Lisa Simpson. Oh, okay. Um, Connie. Uh, Stephen King at one point called, like later on, called this movie a moron movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a moron movie title of this film is referenced in the simpsons episode maximum homer drive from 1999 in which homer simpson takes over a truck's delivery driver and finds out that his truck is controlled by a computer and of course yearly smith coincidink plays lisa simpson in the film the character brett says to the bible salesman eat my shorts oh i didn't realize this under his breath this line is also used in the breakfast club which is of course an emilio estevez movie what is the origin of eat my shorts was this uh yeah the simpsons was a thing when when that girl did this movie right no, no simpsons came out a year later yeah, yeah well I thought it was well, well yeah, i mean the shorts because it used to be on what the tracy allman show yeah, in 87. Oh, okay. But I don't know if I don't even know if all those people did the voices then. Yeah, the probably not. You're right. But no, she was this was like right before I think Simpsons and of course uh what's it Herman's Head? <laughs> Herman's Head. <laughs> Which was what? 91? 92 maybe? Yeah, it was early 90s. Uh, I remember that. Wasn't she also in uh Ford Fairlane? I uh, th- I think so. What? You didn't really think we'd kill the fucking koala bear now, did you? <laughs> Do you guys remember the scene where Emilio's just talking to that guy while he's taking a shit? <laughs> yeah, and it has like the... It's very nonchalantly. Like, like, noises, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's like a sign. There was a sign on that bathroom wall, too, that said something like, don't like take a dump in the urinal. Or something. Right. <laughs> Apparently, that was, a, that was a real issue in that truck stop. People <laughs> taking dumps in the urinal. It's like, yeah, we don't pee in your pool, so don't take a shit in our urinal. <laughs> I mean, also worth mentioning, there's a there's a bunch of great like lines in this movie. Like, even though they're fucking ridiculous and usually don't make sense, like uh, when they're going to save the Bible guy in the ditch. Someone asks Emilio, like, what he thinks of him, and he says, You, sir, are without a doubt one of the biggest fuckheads I've ever met in my life. Hey, did you notice, too, when they when he pulled out that bazooka out of nowhere, the 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 Dixie owner? Oh, yeah, the bazooka. How have we not talked yeah. about the bazooka yet? That was the whole, like, basically the only way they could... Like, destroy the destroy trucks. Destroy any of the trucks. But they just had this, like unlimited supply of rockets well also too i don't know if you noticed but every time they shot that bazooka like there's no rocket coming out and it just you just see like a truck exploding like no missile like hits it you just really? see that? yeah you just see smoke coming out of the back yeah yeah, yeah they just yeah. nonchalantly don't show the front of the <laughs> well i mean i guess that would have been hard in 85 or whatever to actually show like a rocket hitting the truck but Actually, you know what that came out this year, the same year this movie came out, was uh, 
One Crazy Summer, and they use a a bazooka in it too. Bazookas were huge in '86. Yeah. They're like, oh, this this movie had a bazooka. Let's fucking use one. Yeah, that was a big thing in the '80s. Whenever like someone used like something in a show, it was used in like 50 other shows. Yeah, for like action stuff. Like, what's the mm. cool weapon? Oh, one last little note though that I wanted to mention. Going back to that, like the like fucking turret gun. They, when they go up to destroy it, his plan is like. <laughs> yeah, I know it. I, know I, I don't. I don't know what his fucking plan was, but he just grabs one of the random dudes and walks up to it, and he has like a grenade that he's like hiding behind his back. Now, when I say run, you run, okay? What you gonna do? Don't worry about it. You just run, okay? What you gonna do, huh? And he's standing yeah. right next yeah. to the gun. Yeah. Like how does it... <laughs> he's explaining his plan? Yeah. Like he he talks of... to the machines like they can understand him, and then yeah, right. he doesn't even like try to like whisper. Whisper. Like, hey, when yeah. I tell you to, guy, <laughs> run. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but how did he know that the gun was going to move so easily when he pushes it? I mean, he did. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Because coked up. He yeah, he, like, he tried to push it and it didn't move. He he like, like, oh, fuck. I forgot that. He also like pushes it out of the way. Yeah. So they have a little like extra second. to. But then it's like everything is destroyed so easily. I mean, a rocket or a fucking grenade. And then at the end, just blowing up the gas tanks somehow destroys like 12 fucking trucks. But I guess in the short story, it was like Molotov cocktails. Right. And those happened. That was worked on the bulldozer, right. which is kind of hard to believe. But yeah, there was a bazooka, so I'm glad we mentioned that. And I suppose it is time for everybody's. I think really just our favorite part because we know it's the end. There's no porn parodies, as Damien mentioned, unfortunately. So let's get to our review system. You've heard the old saying that in the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king. Well, today in the land of the skunks, the man with half a nose is king. <laughs> it stinks. So I'll go first. Maximum Overdrive. I mean, this film, what a hell of a film. I'm going to give it a one out of five stars. Because, uh, yeah, no, it takes a good. lot. No, one is bad. Wait, no, what no, is right. you enjoyed it? Fuck! Ah! I always forget. God damn it. I think like 50% of the time I forget how our system works. I'm going to give it a five. A five. Wow. All right. Really? Well, it wasn't that bad. No, it was fucking bad. And I own it now because I had to. <laughs> Dude, I just rented it, man. I no, yeah. but then I always have to oh, I have to okay. watch it again to pull the clips. So if I have the if it's under like ten bucks and I have the option, no, you know what? I see what you guys are doing here, and I'm gonna re- <laughs> recast my vote. I'm gonna give it a four out of five because it was yeah, compared to some of the other movies we've done, at least is like funny in that it's bad way. It's it's good in how bad it is, but it's still pretty fucking good. And it's like for to be made by someone who I. Uh, idolize yeah but not as a director obviously right yeah (laughs) i sure as heck don't like him as a director damien what is your skunk rating uh this movie's freaking terrible but uh you know what dude i almost gave this a one because i actually was 
entertained by this. Like I do think it was one of those so bad it's good. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching a coked out Stephen King um, with an ego thinking he could be the best director of his stuff. Attempt this. Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll give it a two terrible movie, but I at least was uh, entertained. I almost really, wow. I almost uh, really liked this movie. So Damien, uh, following his tradition of I've giving been it the best, a lot of the best you, you usually, but you usually always give the best ratings of most of the movies. Um, you got a real heart for these pieces of shit. Um, Rich, coming to the guy who is the opposite of that, typically. What do you <laughs> give this movie? Well, um, growing up, uh, we didn't see this movie in the theaters because I do remember it not being very popular. Yeah, so you bought but, the $80 VHS. You know, going... <laughs> Correct. So, like, going to... Wait, like... you mean your dad didn't buy it for $200 or something? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's ever seen this movie or even knows it exists. Yeah. He was more of like the Indiana Jones kind of movie. So you just watch it like your siblings? Yes. I think we went to like major video and saw it and we were like, nice, let's rent it. Yeah, this was a staple at our house. I think we taped it off HBO and like watched it constantly. And like that whole soda scene was like hilarious to us. That scene is great. You know, growing up, we we really liked this movie. But watching it as an adult, yeah, it does suck. It isn't put together very well. But, you know, I am kind of a big fan of Emilio Estevez's 80s movies. So I'm going to have to give this a two. Was it a terrible movie? Yes. Was it put together horribly? Yes. Was it entertaining? Yeah, definitely. It's entertaining, yes. so I'll give it a two. You know why this is this is sick? I don't know why this popped in my head, but uh, we were talking about it. Like, imagine if uh, I just pictured like after like that little league team survives like that soda machine attack, they all like ran away in the woods and just had a fucking orgy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's sick. Yeah. And then that steamroller catches up to him and fucking it squishes them all. Their, all their naked bodies. <laughs> and that was Stephen King's It. <laughs> and that was our discussion of Stephen King's one and only directorial work of film based off of trucks starring Charlie Sheen's brother. Okay, that's He'll it. Say, End of episode. So long. Goodbye. Avito say. Say goodbye. Say good journey.